and welcome to Ink and Peat, a podcast where memoir and Ireland share the stage. We talk with authors, guides, ghostwriters, and other free spirits drawn to memoir or enchanted by Ireland. I'm Barb Robitaille. And I'm Craig Stewart. Today's podcast features Kathleen Duffy, psychotherapist, dream analyst, and author. She's a firm believer in the power and wisdom of our dreams. Kathleen and I had a great conversation in her living room in Castlebar, County Mayo, talking about dreams and her work with dreams. And at the time, someone else was having maybe an even better time in the kitchen. Well, I don't know if it was a better time, <laughs> but we did have a great deal of fun in the kitchen. I was with a friend of Kathleen's, and I confess we were getting a wee bit of a head start on the after interview celebration. Yes, and you may hear that in the background, and that's just as it should be. And uh, we ended up catching up with you, as I recall. And didn't take you long. Didn't no. take long, no. no. All right. Enjoy the podcast. All right. I'm sitting with Kathleen Duffy in her lovely home in just outside of Castlebar uh, in County Mayo, Ireland. Kathleen is a dream worker and writer. She's an author and has written a fabulous book called Awaken to the Wisdom of Your Dreams, Subtitle is Mirrors in the River. And we're going to talk today about her work with dreams, how she came to it, and what she can encourage us to find in our own dreams. So Kathleen, welcome. Thank you, Craig. Thank you very much for taking your time to talk to me today. Thank you. It's lovely uh, to have you here. My first question when I think about dreams and you in particular, um, how did you come to identify dreams as being important? Just for you and for any of us. Well, the thing about me and the dreams is it's it's kind of hard to get started and then it's, it's sort of hard to stop me. There's so much <laughs> to say about dreams. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's, when I was young, I used to love that sense of um, pictures that I used to see before I'd fall asleep at night. I just loved my bed. I loved the, the imagery. And I was really curious about where was it coming from. And I remember before I knew anything about the wisdom of dreams or anything like that, this goes right back to my childhood wanting to sort of hold on to them and then of course I was asleep and then in the morning I used to wonder where they were and there they were again so that was very exciting to wonder where those images came from and what they were about and then um, I began to be curious about them and then I realized they were called dreams <laughs> and uh, I started to read well before I even heard about Carl Jung um, with my friends I used to be talking about dreams and then my mother would have expressions about what dreams might mean and some of them were kind of you know dream about the dead and you hear from the living and stuff like that so I began to wonder about where that came from <clears throat> but really what made me sit up straight as they say and listen properly was in 1984 I was um, traveling no it was before 84 actually it was in India in 84 in the in the early 80s I was traveling in the US in your country and I was in between Florida and North Carolina, and I woke up one morning with a dream that really made me wonder what is going on. And in the dream, I'm, it's in the book actually, I'm walking behind a coffin in my hometown with a lot of young people. And one particular friend of mine, a close friend and cousin, was in my dream. And I thought, why is it all young people? Why is she looking for me? Why am I walking with her? And of course, you know, I shared the dream with the family I was with at the time, and they said, oh, Kathleen, you know, it's only a dream. 
And that's one of the things that people say, oh, it's only a dream, like, you know, forget about it. But I couldn't forget about it. I was really, <coughs> excuse me, I was really, um, yeah, anxious, I suppose, a bit. So I came back to Shannon and my family picked me up. And, you know, as you come back, after being on holidays, lots of catching up to do. And I said, you know, uh, how's Eva and Declan? And there was silence in the car. And they said, oh, how did you know? We, we were waiting till you got home for us to tell you. And I just said, Declan is dead, isn't he? Declan had been killed in an accident in Scotland on the same day and at the same time <clears throat> that I'm dreaming and I'm in Florida. So my throat is a bit hoarse, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, so that was it. It's like, how did this information reach me? Why am I getting this information? Of course, Eva was his partner at the time and she was looking for me and missing me and he was young. And it made me wonder, how did that reach me? It wasn't something from my past. It wasn't something from the future. It was in the now and it was completely across the world reaching me with such accurate information that I thought, wow. So then a few years after that, I went to India and um, this same cousin was in India at the time. She was doing some voluntary work and I traveled around with her. So there was there was a period of a week where we didn't know where we would be. We didn't have a, a home base or a or, you know, um, there was no mobile phones or anything like that in those days. But there was five nights we were travelling on a train between Calcutta and New Delhi. And <clears throat> each of the nights, for five nights, I dreamt something was wrong at home. And this time it was my father's house. And I thought, why are all those people gathered outside my father's house? And we were... I had no immediate access to home. If you wrote a letter, it would have taken a week in 84. So again, I came back to Bombay and there was a letter from home. But in the letter, I knew that the letter was written prior to me having those dreams. So for five nights, they just didn't let up. This information kept coming to me. And I said to my cousin, I said, you know, three days is all it would take. If somebody dies at home, they're dead and buried in three days. They can't reach me. The letter would have taken a week. And because we were traveling ad hoc, we didn't have a, a phone point where they could reach me. So I came back to Dublin this time and again picked up at the airport and I said, they said, um, we have something to tell you. And I immediately said, what's wrong with my father? Now, I had no reason to be anxious about my father. He was never in hospital in all my life. And they said, how did you know? I said, what happened? And they said he had a heart attack and he was in intensive care for those five nights. On the fifth night he came out and the fifth night I stopped dreaming. So those were the two dreams that made me sit up and say, well, if this information is available to me via my dreams, I want to know all about it. I want to know where it comes from. I want to know why it's reaching me. I want to know what I'm meant to do with it. So that was really the beginning of my um, saying there's more to this than just what I was led to believe. Oh, they're just images or they're just dreams. So then I, I, I started to, to explore. And instead of them being just dreams or only dreams, the words were like, oh my God, they were amazing, they were insightful, they were guiding, they were powerful. And then I discovered that they're an ancient language, mm -hmm. more ancient than the word. Images and symbols, man painted images in his caves. So we had the language of symbol. And then I got excited because, uh, because I thought, oh, that's what I was getting as a child. Those were the images and symbols. Now I want to learn the language of them. So that's kind of made me sit up straight 
Okay, so sitting up straight works very well for you with dream wisdom. Does everyone have the same access to dream wisdom? They do. Everybody has the same access to the dream. Okay, working with it is, I think, what brings about the wisdom. The wisdom is there. When it would be a bit like having your mobile phone switched on or switched off. The information is there, but if you don't switch it on, it's no good to you. So when I say switch on your, your psyche, the information is in the collective unconscious. It's all around us. It's available to all of us. There is no favorites. And what I believe is that no matter what culture we come from, it unites all of us. It is the thing that all of humanity have in common. When you sleep at night, your soul is sending you data and information that is so much more personal than all the stuff that filters in these days from Facebook and every place else. How would you encourage someone or, yeah, support someone in discovering his or her own dream message, wisdom? Okay, well, that's the first sort of chapter of the book is all about encouraging people to be curious about why you would want to take the time to record your dream. And, you know, Daniel, I, I love the scriptures um, because that really inspired me. The first day that I had to, I, I'm a psychotherapist, so the first time I had to give a presentation to my peers in college, I chose the subject of anima and animus, the masculine and the feminine within the psyche and and the function of the dream in bringing that unconscious content into consciousness. So I thought, where will I begin? How will I begin? This is a big task because ego is in charge of consciousness and it kind of you know, uh, disregards that which is emotional, irrational. And of course, the dream is full of emotional and irrational stuff. So I thought, where will I start? And I remember um, having a, a big room and lots of blank pages. And I thought, how will I begin this? So I took my favorite book off the shelf, which is my Bible, and I opened a page looking for inspiration. And it said, for Yahweh does speak to us now one way, now another in a dream, in a vision of the night. While man slumbers in his bed, he opens our ears and gives us instruction. So that was it. How more direct can I get? While we slumber in our beds, Yahweh, God, opens our ears, gives us instruction. And of course, that led me to Daniel. Daniel and his dreams. And of course, King Nebuchadnezzar was troubled and couldn't sleep. And he went and sent for all the dreamers and seers and soothsayers and astrologers. And he asked them to... Uh, tell him what his dream was and what it meant. It's a big long story, well worth the read, but just in a nutshell, Daniel was the only one who asked for time because the king, he was dismissing those who couldn't tell him what his dream was. But as Daniel said, it's too much the king asked. So when he asked for time, he went and he prayed. And you see, this is where the spiritual part of it comes in because I believe it's, it's part of our spiritual guidance. So Daniel asked in his prayers, what the king's dream was, what it might be about. He came back to the king, and sure enough, the king was flabbergasted. He said, whew, yeah, and he dismissed all the others, and he said, Daniel, you come into my kingdom. You come in, and he, he sort of honoured him as the official uh, dream interpreter. So then, you know, there's lots and lots of stories from there. But for me, I thought that's good enough. If, 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 if it's a means of communication between God and man, and then, of course, you go back to the birth of Christ, and in a dream, Joseph was told, not to be afraid to take Mary, otherwise she would have been stoned to death because she was pregnant outside of marriage in that culture. So everywhere I turned after that, it was like, okay, I had my opening point. Dreams are a means of guidance. 
that comes from our Creator via our soul when we sleep, when the ego is out of the way. So it became very exciting after that to sort of um, think, oh my God, how amazing is that, that this is a free source of highly intelligent wisdom. And I believe it's wisdom because it's wiser than the limitation of my thinking. And it's available in the most creative ways to all of us. Now, the work that I've tried to do on my own dreams, it just seems like I get caught up. I mean, how do you know when you're dreaming about, let's say you're dreaming about a bicycle. Okay. Right? <laughs> okay. Or you're dreaming about a, a pan of cookies or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. How... How do you know, as first of all as a therapist, but also as a dream worker, that that has any significance at all? And what might have some significance for you may have limited significance That's for right. you in the same way. And so. there's the question, Craig. That's exactly right. I don't know. And that's the thing about my work. It's I don't interpret dreams. What I do is extract the wisdom of the dream from the dreamer. So I don't tell you what a bicycle is. Because for you, a bicycle might be an exciting day of you know um freedom for somebody else a bicycle might be something that they're terrified to fall off so it's the dreamer's association with the symbol and yes that takes a lot of work and skill and i've been at this for many years mm. and i'm still always just fascinated at how uniquely personal the symbols are to the dreamer mm. and that's the key those books that you get and says this equals that yeah you can get some guidance about the universal archetypes in those for sure. But the real work is working with the dreamer to get the personal um, association with. So, for example, if you dream about a bike, it might be, well, what was the bike like? Is it an old bike? Is it a new bike? When was the last time you rode a bike? When was the last time you saw somebody riding a bike? And then you break it down to what we call the aha moment where you, the dreamer, will say, Oh, now I remember. And it's like, okay, yes, that day, um, that day, that's actually the kind of bike I saw in my dream. And then, you know, you get involved with what was happening for you that day. So you track your association with the symbol. And your dream is always very wise in why it chooses a particular. So it may not be on that occasion. It may not be the bike that's important. It may be what was going on for you in the back of your mind on the day that you saw the bike or the day that you were on the bike. And it might be that you didn't bring that thought in the back of your mind into the foreground. So the dream is using the bike as a kind of a nudge to say, I want your attention for this day. Would you say then that it is helpful to have someone else go through your dream yes. with you as opposed to you sitting down and journaling and okay, da 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 Okay, that's a really important first point And I have a lot of that, you know, simply laid out in the book. I remember going to London many years ago to hear um, a guy called Fraser Boer interview Mary Louise von Franz, and she worked directly with Carl Jung for many years, mm. and she was just a wonderful, wonderful resource. And I always remember her words about dream work, and they stayed with me. She said, none of us can be objective about ourselves because we're subjective about our own material. So she said, I can't see my own back. I can see yours, and you can see mine. So that's why writing your dream down is the first step towards um, objectifying it. Once you write it down and then once you speak it to another. Carl Jung used to do this. Carl Jung used to put his dreams out to his students. And he would ask them all to free associate with, if that were your dream, what would, you, what would that mean for you? And he would then know the one that would say something that 
if you like saw that piece of him in it and you go ah uh-uh, that's it you'll know by the way you feel you'll know by the the light bulb moment of awareness mm-hmm. and so um for example carl young one of the stories that i like to tell is about um relationship issues come up a lot for all of us mm-hmm. it's kind of at the heart of humanity isn't it mm-hmm. the state of our relationship to others and with ourselves so this woman in carl young's story was having difficulty having a healthy relationship with a male now her dad was a she was a daddy's girl. She had her father on a pedestal. So no man could really replace that. And, you know, we meant to leave her father and mother in order to be, you know, integrated yes. with another. But so she was, all, all men were being compared to her dad. So in her dream, she saw her father as a drunk in the gutter. Now, of course, her father wasn't a drunk in the gutter. So the dream, and this is what Carl Jung did with it. He was saying, there's a thing called, we, you know, we... um. We polarize something that isn't in balance. We exaggerate it to its other extreme so that the pendulum swing from being up on the pedestal to being the drunk in the gutter. So the dream statement, you look at the dream statement, the statement was, it's not a healthy place to have your father up or anybody for that matter up on this pedestal. So the dream just totally reverses it. Mm. And the statement there is, where's the balance? So when something is one-sided in our psyche the dream presents it in the opposite direction and now you know okay it's not healthy in either extreme so where do i find balance here Mm -hmm. so it will it will exaggerate a situation as well if there's something we're ignoring the dream will exaggerate it or you'll have repeated dreams that theme will keep repeating and then if you keep ignoring those they're like warnings um then i believe they will turn into what what we all might be familiar with nightmares and if you ignore the nightmares it's detrimental to your health because there's something really screaming at you to wake up to this fact, wake up. And then the real work is in finding out, okay, when was the last time you had that dream, the repeated dream? And at what point did it turn into a nightmare? And so there's an urgency. It's like if you don't pay your bills, you know, the bill will come and then you'll get a reminder and then you might get a a stronger warning. And then you might get the, the sheriff at your door or the solicitor's letter, as we say. So I think our dreams are doing that in relation to our soul business mm. we do it in relation to our monetary business but this is the soul business business of the soul that is constantly calling you into balance and I, i'm just amazed at how creative the soul is with finding the images that best suits your awareness of what's not right in your life so it points us to where we need to go it points us to the origin of where we might have had a false belief buried and it will say that false belief is still causing you to behave like this in your life. So it will have us excavate. I think it's a bit like archaeology. Gotcha. You learn from what's buried. You don't go in heavily digging out what's buried. You wonder about, well, what can this teach me? What was the system that worked when I buried this? It might have been fear. It might have been that there was no point in sharing a thought, a feeling, an emotion. And then, sadly, we carry on believing that that can be true throughout our lives so it's a bit like um gently opening up the layers that have covered over those beliefs and now we're acting as if they're truths so the dream will separate out the beliefs from the truths Mm. and ultimately i believe that the function of it is to guide us and um, set us free from all kinds of behaviors and beliefs that keep us full of fear and it's it's just an opening up of a of a pathway to your soul Gotcha. Now, 
the dreams you talked about uh, when your friend died or when your father had a heart attack, these are messages, it seems like, that you're getting from the unconscious or from the yeah. divine. What, when do you know when the message you're receiving is from the divine? Well, uh, more of a premonition or more mm. of like, you know, I, I know, yeah, yeah. I'll just speak for myself, I've had dreams where I dreamt my, you know, someone had died, and someone has died, or and then they're fine, you know, I, I wake up, and I'm like, oh no, yeah, hey, Bill, how are you, I dreamt <laughs> you died last night, and they say, no, I did, that's, I'm, I'm fine. That's a great so what, question. Yeah, it's so a great when do you question. know when to trust the wisdom of your dreams, or how do you know? Okay, well, you... You, so when somebody dies in a dream, it's a great question to ask. You know, the quality or characteristic of that person may have died in your life or may need to die in your life. So depending on how you perceive that person. So let's say Bill, this fictitious name as we speak, represented somebody that was um, uh, full of fear and didn't take risks in life. And suddenly you dream he's dead. I'm saying, wow, how exciting is that? Mm. The part of you that was afraid to take a risk has died. Mm -hmm. Let's rejoice. Yeah. How powerful is that? The other side of that is if we dream about somebody who died that um, did take risks or had a wonderful sense of adventure and they're dead in reality, but in the dream, somehow they're alive. And it's like, okay, that quality needs to come alive in me. So it is a process of um, it's a process of awareness that you begin to say, okay, you look at the dream as an aspect of yourself first. It's never any harm to. I mean, there are synchronistic dreams um, about you know we all get warnings and intuitions and it's it, it's just that the the soul realm is non-linear and stuff does reach us that is from other as in my example there other parts of the world. So you just have to test it out say mm. is it about me mm. you know there was a woman one day this is a funny story but i just think it taught us so much it was in a group you know I, i've been invited to to give talks to groups at local level initially and then you know they get bigger and and it's always so interesting because everybody is interested so everybody learns from everybody else's dream so this day this woman said um she dreamt about her old boss and that's all that was in her dream her boss was dead and she dreamt about her old boss and and she made no sense of why was he in her dream. And I said, when was he in your dream? She said, Wednesday. And I said, okay, where were you on Wednesday? She said, do you know what? She said, I did pass by the place where I used to work. And I said, what thought went through your mind? She said, well, nothing really. I just remembered the days I worked there. And I said, okay, so where were you going to? She said, I was going to pick up my son from school. And I said, and what? was the feeling as you did that. You see, it's really important to get the feelings from the dreams. So she said, well, I was cross with him. I was annoyed with him, she said, because he's meant to be doing his leading cert, which is, you know, the stage where you're meant to be studying. And she said, he, 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 I just can't get him to study. He just will not study, and I'm always fighting with him. And he makes me cross, and the more I get cross, the less he'll study. And this old dance of parent-teenager mm. power battle. So I said to her, tell me about your old boss. She said he was the nicest man you could ever work for. She said he never had a crossword for me. And I said, and as a result of that, what did he get from you? She said, he got my 100% attention. I never was late. I never missed a day. I loved working for him. 
I said, do you think your dream might be asking you to behave a little bit more like him towards your son? <laughs> and? And she just went the colour of that. She blushed. Mm. It was like, oh my God. If she had given her son the same trust mm -hmm. that her boss gave her, he might not be in such rebellious sort of power battle with her. Right, right. It was such a powerful direct message. And that's yeah. the thing about the dream work. It gives you the direct message without too many words. All it did for her was just give her a glimpse of him. But it got triggered. It. And then she felt it. She and she knew the truth yeah. of it in that moment. Yeah. She, even if she tried to deny it, her body went into like immediate recognition. Mm -hmm. So it was so powerful. Could you speak to that just a little bit? And I know we're kind of running out of time, but um, talk about how how our bodies don't lie or, or you, I've heard yes. you say before that you you feel your you body feel the moment, yeah. you feel the moment and that's the thing about the dream comes from a place when we're out of our head the ego likes to control when we're awake so when we're asleep ego you know is, is off duty um, or at least it's supposed to be and sometimes if we don't have a good night's sleep you know lots of people suffer from insomnia and that's a whole other conversation about that because the good night's sleep leads to health but sometimes people try, you know, and you can do this thing called lucid dreaming where you try to bring the ego into the subconscious and that's an attempt to control it. I would like to... Have you done that? I have worked with people who have done that and it's really interesting to sort of get out of our own way and let the subconscious um, wisdom come towards us. Yeah. But in our nature, we like to control. We like to yeah, think sure. we're in charge. This wisdom is so much bigger than us. It's so much more ancient and it comes up with much more creative solutions than when mm. we try and control it. Because yeah. we control out of fear. So right. we don't need to control if there's no fear. So so control is the flip side to trust. So if we trust, we don't need to fear. So often the dream will address that which we're not really trusting. And so, um, oh yeah, the body yeah. never lies. The feeling, the feeling that you wake up with is really important. The dream will wake you up at the point where the feeling is what wakes us up. It's the feeling in the body that wakes Say you up. Say that one more time. You wake up from your dream at the point where the feeling is strong enough to wake you up. It's where you're not willing to go. And I often say to people in dream work, let's go back into the dream. Let's reconnect with the feeling right at that point before you woke up. And now, if you didn't wake up, what feeling would you have to face? And there's the direction for your work uh, in life. Interesting. Yeah. The feeling's nice. really powerful. So when you write down your dream, I always do this in dream work and it's great fun. I'll get somebody to tell me their dream in the first person and they'll tell me the dream and I'll listen. And then I'll say, now tell me the dream again and this time tell me what you've left out. And they'll say, but I didn't leave out anything. I'll say, oh, oh, let's go back. <laughs> so I get them to tell the dream again, this time including the feeling. Oh my God, the difference, the difference. And we were used to reporting facts rather than how you felt like. incorporating yeah. the feeling yeah. and so because we ignore the feelings during the day the dream presents us with them to integrate them yeah it's such an amazing system that right. we think during the day we can do all kinds of things to get away from that which we're uncomfortable with yeah and all the time it's like your soul self through the dream is saying you know i have what you're looking for you're trying to block me out mm. but i have the answers to your dilemmas and they're coming from deep within yourself. And they're so personal. Mm -hmm. Now they will use um, stimuli from the day. Mm -hmm. All the stimuli is usable. But there's a reason. And you know, people will say, oh, sure, I only have that dream because I saw that movie last night. I'm saying, yes, you saw that movie last night and you saw maybe 
lots of other things as well as that movie last night. So why do you think the dream is choosing that little detail from that movie? There's a story in my book about a woman who, who, who's dreaming about a controlling mother. But it's not her controlling mother she's dreaming about. It's a character from a soap opera that she's been following. But it's the same behavior. And she has the same feeling. Interesting. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to be curious about. There is a lot to be curious about. That is true. One of the things that probably everyone is curious about is how to get a hold of your book. Oh, great. It's so on Amazon. It's on Amazon. And the, the website is um, com. Okay. And it's on Amazon. www.awakentoyourdreams.com. Yes. And the feedback I've been getting is just the same from anybody who has read the book tell me, wow, the dreams are pouring forth. And so it's doing exactly what it said on the cover. It's awakening people to their dreams. And it's wonderful to hear people sort of saying, you know, since I started reading your book, my dreams are just flowing. I'm saying, great, that's what it was intended to do. Because we don't have them for nothing for the sake of it. We have them for a very good reason. Now... Gosh, there's so many questions I have for you. But if you don't pay attention to your dreams, you're still going to have dreams. Yes. So do you benefit from the wisdom of your dreams then? You do, and you know, that's a really interesting question. Even if you don't work with them, they, they did a study whereby they... Oh, they um, it's a study that, that uh, was done in a prison where they exhausted all of the, the, the participants. And they allowed... You know, we dream for a shorter period than the period we sleep where we don't dream. Mm-hmm. So they did the test. The people who were allowed to sleep only through the REM time, just during the REM period, so they had shorter sleep, and then they woke them up as soon as they stopped the REM. They did the opposite with the other portion of prisoners, and so they allowed them uh, to... What's the opposite of that? They allowed them to, to sleep during the non REM time and, and um, the, the result basically was that the people who had the shortest sleep but were allowed to sleep during the dream time held on to their sanity the ones who had more sleep but were deprived the dream time lost their sanity yeah so that's without working with the dream the function of it is to create balance in the psyche and that's why people with insomnia are deprived of sleep they're deprived of the REM time so their health breaks down yeah so the sleep you know, it's like a non-going process, bringing stuff into balance. Hmm. Amazing. So, yeah. but then how much more amazing when you make it conscious right. and work with it. Right. So, yes, it has a really significant function in our health and our well-being. Beautiful. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank brilliant, you, Greg. Absolutely brilliant. And I would just like to add that I have had the life-altering opportunity to work with Kathleen on a couple of my dreams, one of which uh, profoundly changed the direction of my life um, in talking with Kathleen, and I'm forever grateful to you for that. So one of the reasons uh, that I'm a huge champion for you and your work. You can join us and meet Kathleen on our May 2016 retour to County Mayo in the, the northwest of Ireland, and when Kathleen will be joining us and giving a talk and maybe even sharing some more wisdom from dreams. And extracting wisdom from you. So bring your dreams with you. (laughs) Bring your dreams with you. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ink and Pete, a production of Memoir Tours Ireland. You can learn more about Memoir Tours and find other podcasts on our website, memoirtours.com. 
And do you have ideas or requests for other shows? We'd love to hear from you. Contact Craig or Barb at memoirtours.com. Until next time, may you find joy where you least expect it.